Welcome to Sisters of the Apocalypse. This podcast is hosted by sisters, surviving in this crazy world and just trying to keep a sense of humor along the way. Listen to three witty women who grew up in the same house, share their ideas, inspirations, and experiences. The Sisters of the Apocalypse will share the ups, downs, and everything in between when it comes to life as a millennial woman in today's world. Relatable and enjoyable until the very end. Hello and welcome to Sisters of the Apocalypse. This is Jenny and I am joined by my two sisters, Christine and Liz. I'm going to kick things off today by sharing kind of a story of some car issues that I've been dealing with. And so I have a Honda CRV that I love very much. But I am not great at remembering when it needs to go and get its oil changed. I'm still waiting for an app to be created to remind me how to properly take care of my car. But until that day comes, I'm just going to do my best. Jennifer, it's called a calendar app. You can set a reminder. Um, Incorrect, because it doesn't tell me when the fluids need to be fluided and (laughs) topped up. Refilled. (laughs) refilled it's a whole thing okay so basically what i'm saying is i went to get my oil changed this was three months ago like you're supposed to i got my oil changed at a place that i'm not familiar with because it was last minute and as i was there the tech told me that there was a problem with my oil pan that the screws had seized and that they were unable to perform my oil change and I am not a car person, so I just did my best to ask them, what should I be doing? How can I fix this? Can you point me in the right direction? He offers his garage to me and says, you can come on over and I'll fix it for you tonight. And I said, what about a mechanic? Can't I just take it to a mechanic? And he said, well, you mean you could, but it would probably be like a 10 minute fix. So I don't even know if they would want to do it. And we don't have the proper equipment to do it here. So you can just come over and I have all this stuff in my garage. And I said, no, thanks. I've got a friend uh, who can who can help me out with it. And during that time, they did manage to change my oil. So crisis averted. And I drove away thinking in my head, this is a this is a problem for future Jennifer to figure out because I don't know what's wrong with the car, but I got new oil. That was my first concern. Today, I took it to a dealership. I took it to a Honda dealership, got my oil changed, had a really wonderful female tech and explained the whole situation to her and was very honest about, I don't know what he meant. He didn't write it down. It was very weird. You know, could you please just make sure that everything's okay? And three hours later, when I went to pick it up, she assured me everything is fine the you know the information that i had been given didn't make any sense and she's positive he was trying to make a pass at me um in a very weird way so i wanted to share that just because it's a frustrating situation that i felt like not only was i kind of like taken advantage of for not knowing things about cars i know there was also that added piece of being a woman alone getting propositioned <laughs> getting an offer like an offer like that to go to your garage 
I think my first reaction to hearing the story is that potentially when a guy would hear a story, and this is a very generalized statement, but if someone, someone heard the story you just told and might be like, well, obviously that guy was just trying to be helpful. It's not an issue. You had a problem. There was something that couldn't be fixed. He was just offering to help. Like, what's the big deal? And I think that for me, generally, that's just not a thought process that we're allowed to have. You have to be more aware, more alert, and more cautious than to kind of just trust people. And I think cars in general is kind of one of those bigger topics that stereotypically men know more about cars than women or men in a relationship or marriage might care, be responsible for taking care of the cars over women. I mean, for, for us and for myself, I would say like growing up, it was definitely like when I was 16, 17 and my car needed an oil change, I would talk to my dad or my dad would just straight up check the car and then take it in when it needed to be done. Like I was not necessarily taught these different things. I don't know how to change a tire. These are just some things that I just feel like I don't have the proper tools and etiquette and knowledge to like make some of these decisions on my own. And I will absolutely say that there have been many occasions when I've gone to a car place and they're like, oh yeah, this is wrong. You need to replace it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I'm constantly like, is that true? Or are they just trying to upsell me because I look like someone who doesn't know. And on that as well, I mean, I would say, you know, guy friends or, you know, my dad or partners have absolutely told me in the past when I'm like, okay, I'm going to do, going to get my car looked at. And they will say, call me, don't get anything done until we talk about what you're getting done. And I know that they always mean it as a helpful way because it's like, I might be getting upsold on stuff. I have so many thoughts about this conversation First off, Jennifer, I'm so glad that you did not go to that man's garage. When you were telling that story, I thought you meant like he owned a mechanic shop type garage and he was offering to like have, you know, Bob's garage fix your car, but he meant his literal personal garage. And I'm so glad because like, I think making a pass at you is a, is the nicest version of what may have been his intent, if you know what I mean. And that makes me very uncomfortable. And also like, what the hell? I don't know if maybe, maybe he was just trying to be nice. I don't know what kind of like person this was, but that just seems like red flag all over. If this place was a place you went was like a Valvoline or like a mainstream place, I would absolutely call and let their management know, because that to me feels like a threat. I don't know, man. It's like all the alarm bells are going off right now. So I just can't, I can barely get past that. Um, But in regards to the automotive, you know, repair thing, I feel like I've done an okay job of kind of getting familiar with what goes on with my cars and stuff to the point that I've had some of my male coworkers have asked me, they've said, Hey, my mechanic said I needed such and such. Is that a real thing? And then I'd be like, well, I don't know your particular situation, but yeah, that does exist in the car. Like that is a real part. (laughs) They're not asking you to repair your, your replace your blinker fluid. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, so I always kind of took that as like a point of pride that at least knew enough that people would ask me sometimes, but I think that's just so interesting and, and getting car repairs or buying a car 
is one of those situations where you're definitely just at a disadvantage. So I agree. I mean, I think this is potentially this conversation is spinning one way versus another, but one comment I want to say about this guy potentially coming onto you or making this kind of suggestion at a workplace. So what this reminds me of is something I witnessed. This was only maybe a month ago as I was at the airport and I was waiting for a shuttle bus to pick me up to go to my parked car. So I was just leaving the airport, ready to go. And I was standing out, you know, in the area where the shuttles come through and minding my business. And I hear someone yelling and I kind of look around and I see there are two men in a van shouting at a woman who is walking. So these two guys are driving in a van and the woman is walking and they're just yelling like crude things at her. And I kind of look around and I'm like, what is going on right now? Then I realized there's nobody else around. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm out here by myself. This is like 3 p.m. on a Sunday. It's not late. It's not dark. Nothing. And the van they were in was a company van. And so they're yelling back and forth with this lady saying all sorts of stuff. Other things transpired. I stood there. Do I, do I like step forward and say something like, Hey, leave her alone. I'm out here by myself. Like what good am I going to do in this instance? And so right or wrong, I didn't say anything in that moment, but I did take a picture of the back of the van. So I got the license plate and it's got a timestamp on it. And I, I reached out to the company and I told them what happened. Whoever was driving this car at this time, this is what happened. And so I say all that to mean, if you feel uncomfortable or hear something, experience something at your place of work or in a setting where it's inappropriate, I'm going to just blanket statement, encourage people to report it, document it, say something, because a big issue is that as women, we minimize when these things happen. We think, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, that must have been a misunderstanding. Oh, I don't know the whole story. No, this behavior is not okay. You're not allowed to treat people that way. You're not allowed to talk to people that way, period. I totally agree, Liz, where I feel like it's very important to treat every, when something goes wrong, and I know we're talking about specifically like men, sexual harassment or verbal harassment, I think you really have to treat that as a big deal. And the, the reason I keep coming back to this is when you hear about people who are maybe doctors or teachers who've been mistreating students or patients, and they get bounced around from place to place. And I'm like, if only... We had raised the red flag and put our foot down in the beginning. Maybe there would be fewer victims of this person, or maybe this would have been addressed sooner. And obviously I can't control all those things. A lot of them have to do with communications and jurisdictions, but I do feel like if you treated that situation when it escalated from to at a two, if you treated it like an eight, hopefully, <laughs> you know, it'll be fewer situations like that for other women with that person's interaction. The other thing I want to point out, which I think is really interesting, is in these situations, we talked about reaching out to the employer, not the police, which is an interesting thing because it's almost like the power of the employer in that situation, in those situations is more meaningful than what the police could actually do in that situation was probably nothing. You bring, both of you bring up really great points about this. And the first thing that comes up for me hearing that story is agreeing with whatever 
you, Liz, you had decided to do in that moment would have made sense to me because you have to trust your gut. You have to trust your instincts. And yours were telling you, don't make a scene. You know, this isn't a great time to call more attention to myself. I don't maybe have the backup that I want. And so you went a different route. And I understand that there are people out there who would be critical of that. But I think other women, especially for unfortunately having had to experience these things, they understand that it's not always possible. And so doing what you can in those situations in that moment while keeping yourself safe, I think is very, very important. So whether that is maybe it's reporting it to the airport security if you don't feel comfortable trying to get police involved for whatever reason that may be. A lot of people have different opinions on that. And I don't even know what I would say. I would A man is harassing a woman. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think about, unfortunately, how many charged moments we have to experience and that, thank God, nothing has happened. But you never know when that situation can turn and it could become that one that one situation where you weren't vigilant enough or you weren't suspicious enough or you weren't careful enough i mean obviously and especially as as someone who has been who had been traveling alone i feel like i'm hyper aware of these things and lately my new i feel like my new thing is i have such a kinship whenever i go to a gas station I make eye contact with any other women that are there because I want them to know that I see them and that they're not alone and I'm not alone. And sometimes without saying anything, we'll go in together and use the bathroom and wait for each other. And I'm so appreciative of that because those are very dangerous places too. Something this reminds me of a little bit is something I know that we have all done individually and sometimes when we've been in the same place is using the non-emergency police number. That is something that I know that we all practice. And I would honestly encourage people to save that number in your phone for you know whatever area you live in. I think about times that I've used this for intoxicated people I've seen potentially driving or even walking down the street. I've seen them in downtown areas where someone looks really intoxicated. Or I remember there was one time it was super late at night and I saw a woman walking alone and I was just like, I don't know where she's going. I don't know where she came from, but like, I don't know, like stuff like that or car accidents, being someone to call and report a car accident because the bystander effect is that we all assume someone else will call or someone else will step in and help. And so it's like, there's nothing wrong with trying to be helpful, reporting, calling in. It's with good intention. And so I would encourage people to do that. I wish we had a line that I could just call in if a man was being a creep. We could just report them that way. There should be an app for that. There should. I think there's like a lot of, you know, websites or like Facebook groups, especially in bigger cities. If you're dating in Georgia or whatever, Atlanta, and like, these are the creepy guys that you should stay away from. And, you know, these are the people that are actually have a secret life. I see that a lot in like some of the Facebook groups I'm in. As you guys know, you know, in across 
many, many different Facebook groups and different types. The administrators are usually trying to deal with more than they can. And so people will post those groups like this person's a scammer, like don't, you know, accept any money from them or don't agree to meet them to sell, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like I sell a lot on Facebook marketplace. So I try to pay attention to those things and knock on wood. I've only ever had really good experiences with Facebook marketplace, but I know that that's not always the case. Okay. If you girls don't mind, I'm going to pivot back to the original story that Jenny told us about cars and people not thinking we can make the decisions necessary. Your example was the car, right? It's like, I think I need something done to the car. I'm not sure what. A funny thing to me is that Christine, you really like cars. I don't think anybody would potentially meet you see fake eyelashes, high heels, long, glorious hair, and say, that woman loves cars. Because it's just not something that comes across until they talk to you. And you took a auto mechanics class in high school. Where did that interest come from? How has that helped you? I appreciate that, Liz. (laughs) Because I do like sometimes where like when people look one way, but actually are another, I, I appreciate that about people. And so I like that about myself, how I have interests in things that may not come across at first glance. So I think originally, I think I may have been like dating a guy who was into cars. Well, I, and I decided it'd be cool to take a auto mechanic class also because it was kind of different and kind of my version of being a tomboy without being sporty. And I just really got a kick out of it. And I feel like even though, you know, we say, oh, maybe we're not that into cars, just growing up in the Detroit area, we were just around cars a lot. People, our dad always had some sort of sports car or we went to car shows regularly. It was just something you kind of grew up around and I came to enjoy it and get a kick out of it. And so I took this auto mechanic class. Did I learn some things? Yeah, I'm sure I did. I couldn't go and change my oil, my own oil right now, but at the time I could change my oil and my brake pads and my rotors and do a bunch of other things. And I mean, it was, it was cool to know, and it was interesting to learn. Um, And it definitely made things feel like a little less intimidating when it came to cars so that it wasn't like, I was completely like just in the dark about it. But even now, like I I get a kick out of talking to people about what they drive or what their new car is on the right, you know, what they're, what's coming out next year in the new automotive stuff. I think it's interesting and I, I enjoy it. There's actually a funny story of when David and I both went to go get our oil changed at the same time. We like to go up just to like a local Valvoline and we'll usually bring like a six pack or like a thing of cookies to give to the guys. It just feels like they, they're nice and they, you know, they do a good job. It's like our tip. You know what I mean? Um, and sometimes if it's a small thing that they're helping you with, they'll just, they won't charge you. They'll just send you on your way, which is nice. But we were both getting our oil change. I think I was driving my Mustang and David was driving his pickup and we were kind of like laughing and joking around back and forth in the two, you know, oil change bays. And they figured out that we were like together, we were there together. And as soon as they figured out we were together, the mechanic or the technician said, what kind of oil do you want? And he was referring to the Mustang, but he was looking past me to David in the truck. And I said, "Uh, excuse me, are you talking about this vehicle? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, you, I can answer, or I can tell you what kind of oil I want in this car. Like, this is my car. And 
I think he was kind of taken aback. <laughs> but it was just like such a funny thing. He's like, as soon as he realized that I was there with David, he directed the questions to David. Yeah, he definitely was a little sheepish after that. It was a good learning experience for him, right? Don't assume. Don't assume things about people. I think a lot of these stories come back to the fact that you have to know you you have some responsibility for yourself to know at least what questions to ask or at least to know enough about the premise of what you're trying to accomplish to at least know how to ask things. You don't have to know everything about a car, but you should have a basic idea of the make and model of your car or because really, otherwise you really are going into a situation with having any context for what people are going to tell you. And I know we're talking about cars, but I think this is super, super important when it comes to your healthcare, because it's your responsibility to be an advocate for your own health. And the only way you can really do that is to understand your medical records, understand your doctors and you know, really know what their expertise is or their background, if you can. And I'm not saying I'm not proponent of going out and being like a, a WebMD doctor. Like I'm not saying you should try to self-diagnose, but I do think it's important to really stay on top of what's going on with your own medical care. Cause just like, if you think about your own career, you're going to have off days, you're going to have days where you're not as dialed in, or you work with people that are still figuring things out. And like, that could be the medical care team that you're working with that day they may be having an off day so you have to be able to remind them and say I actually am allergic to that or that's not part of my care plan I don't want that particular you know medicine David and I talk about that a lot too because he's we just talk about how you just really have to be vocal and determined so this makes me think about I wish I remember what class this was exactly, but this was a class that I took in college. And I think it was, we called it theory of knowledge. And we had a whole, we spent weeks talking about the concept of authority figures and whether or not we should listen to them and what instances do you listen to them? How do you question someone with authority? And I know there's lots of famous science experiments that you know, just because a man with a clipboard and a lab coat tells you to do something, should you do it or not? And I have used that knowledge so many times throughout my life that it's really become an ingrained thing that I can have respect for someone and I can want to hear their opinion and and let them, you know, tell me what their plan is, but it is their responsibility to answer my questions. And if they are not able to do that, that's a red flag for whatever reason, either, like you said, maybe they're having an off day and they're in a bad mood too bad. Get, get me someone else or, or you're not, you're not interested in talking to me about that. Cause you think I won't understand it. Don't underestimate me. You know, I've, like you said, I've done my research or maybe I have more experience in this field than you have any knowledge of. And I think that's such a valuable thing for people and women to not only believe, but practice, practice saying, I mean, now I, (laughs) I don't want to make a joke about it, but sometimes you have to be the Karen and say, can I talk to a manager? And I can do that in a really respectful way if something's going wrong, or if I know something needs to be addressed, but it's just, that was such a life lesson for me that I use all the time. So as far as health questions and medical advice, why wouldn't you 
go to the doctor for an annual checkup for blood work. Because to me, it's like, okay, if you don't go check, learn, at least seek out if there's a problem, I don't understand how you expect everything to just to be like roses. I respect the thought process and I and I get your opinion on it. I will say I was 5,000 miles over on my oil change because the concept of trying to figure out what was happening with my car was so big that I just put it off and I put it off 5,000 miles. And so that is me pushing off that problem and saying future Jennifer will have more time, space, willpower, finances to handle something that I thought was much more complicated than an oil change. But on another, I mean, we could have a whole conversation about people potentially not keeping up with their care. There's financial aspects. There's socioeconomic aspects. Can I get to a doctor? Does this doctor speak my language? Does this doctor accept my insurance? And then, I mean, not only you have people with really deep anxieties and fear of going to the doctor, because then I have to deal with all of those problems. And I'm not sure if I can do that. So if I don't go to the doctor... I don't have any problems. Like it's kind of a simplistic way to think about it, but I mean, if I don't go to the dentist, I don't have any cavities. Okay. I fully respect that flip side of the coin. And I realize that my mindset on some of these sorts of topics can be quite narrow. Whereas my mind is like, well, if there's a problem, I want to know about it ahead of time. I want to get ahead of it. I want to plan for it, prepare for it, learn about it. And so that's my approach and my take on it. But everything you mentioned is completely valid, Jenny. Thank you so much for pointing that out. <laughs> this is very interesting too, because just recently, I want to say in like the last six weeks, I read an article about how preventative care, the annual checkup could actually be causing more stress and unnecessary diagnostic tests than just basically only going in when you feel like something's wrong with you. And for every person who has to have a, you know, a biopsy that actually was unnecessary, there's probably, you know, someone on the other side that a, a preventative checkup saved their life. But there is a lot of research that shows that it can cause, you know, false positives and unnecessary, like exploratory things that you would never have had to do if, um, you hadn't even gone to that annual checkup in the first place. I That makes a lot of sense to me. But I also see the idea that a lot of healthcare plans mandate an annual screening um, so that you they know that you have a doctor available to you. They know that you're, you've been present at that doctor's office, that doctor's seen you. And I think of it as in, you know, they're, they're casting a really wide net and they're hoping to catch these, you know, unique cases where someone does have something wrong that they they're able to catch it. But I can also see how we're requiring people to go to the doctor when they really don't need to go to the doctor. So, you know, you're kind of stuck between that like rock and uh and a hard place. It's kind of interesting how car care and people care really have some very funny similarities. You know what I mean? Like um we don't literally have warning lights on our bodies, but we do have, we, in a way, you know, we have like, if you're not feeling well for an extended period of time, that's a sign your body is saying, we are not okay, get the engine checked. And you have to go to someone who is an expert in their field. 
and they may tell you things that you don't understand and you have to trust their judgment or decide if you're going to do your own research. (laughs) And often it costs more than you expect. Yes, absolutely. And here, okay, we're going to earmark this and have a conversation about a future topic about female medical gaslighting, which is a really common thing where it is much harder for women to get a diagnosis or to be taken seriously about their pain. That's just like, unfortunately, something that's really inherent in Western medicine that um, women's pain is neglected. And then also when, even when you think about someone going to the doctor for let's, you know, fatigue or something like that, we have a medical system that prioritizes action. So, you know, vaccines, medicine, what can I take? What can I change? And we struggle with this, the more holistic idea of, are we looking at the whole person? Are we looking at how the person's feeling socially? Are we looking at the person's Um, you know, sleeping habits, work habits, stress habits, you know, so many of these things that can get really overlooked that provide a lot of relief for people, but are not considered covered by insurance or a priority. Maybe another topic that we earmark for another day is this whole concept of your holistic healthcare and how that relates to what you consume. Like a lot of what I love to read about is science-based nutrition and how hugely impactful that can be uh, to your health. But the average uh, medical doctor has like, I think three hours, one class of nutrition. And that's just a general class. It's not like something that they practice or do any continuing education on, but it could be really, really critical in our overall health. When we talk about female medical gaslighting and healthcare, I want to talk about menstruation days off work and pain simulators to show how period cramps feel. So all of that coming soon. Great, great conversation, ladies. What a fun and interesting topic. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sisters of the Apocalypse. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. And don't forget, live like there's no tomorrow. Thanks for listening.